Hi, my name is Beth and I'm a psychological wellbeing practitioner from Newcastle. I just wanted to say the biggest thank you to the contributors of the Clinical Psychologist Collective book. I've enjoyed reading this so much and loved having an insight into the range of backgrounds and experiences people have prior to applying for the doctorate and it's been really interesting seeing the potential barriers to the application as well and how I can try and work around this. I really started to doubt myself and whether I was good enough to apply for the clinical psychology doctorate but this has really given me the confidence boost that I needed to give it a shot so the biggest thank you ever. If you're looking to become a psychologist Then let this be your guide With this podcast at your side You'll be on your way to being qualified It's the Aspiring Psychologist Podcast With Dr. Marianne Trent Hi, welcome along to the Aspiring Psychologist podcast. Today, we are going to be thinking about resilience. Now, resilience is a buzzword in psychology, and it's certainly something that crops up really regularly in the Clinical Psychologist Collective book. Um, And yeah, when I was reading that, um, I was thinking, well, that's a good thing, isn't it? How resilient we are. Um, But actually, as I reflect upon that now, you know, when, when a profession is difficult to get into, then it's always going to feel like it's the most resilient people that get through because, um, you know, if you were willing to give it one shot um, and you didn't get on and then you, you know, didn't apply again, then actually what we know is that typically it takes more than one application to get on. So um, in terms of your resilience and your ability to deal with rejection or things not panning out, then if you went into that um, with your eyes open expecting that, that realistically you may not get on at your first attempt, then, you know, it's that resilience that's going to, you know, make it more likely that you'll get your end goal in the end. So, of course, it makes sense that um, more of us are going to cross the finish line if we feel like we have more skills in resilience. And um, I like to to jog forward slash run. I don't think what I do could be classed as running, really. But, uh, you know, um, I put my trainers on and I I go for a run forward slash shuffle. Um, And I'm never going to be Mo Farah. I'm never going to be a marathon length runner. Um, Although when, um, when I was in my early... 20s um, I did see a runner go past me when I was in the car and I thought oh looks fun Um, I could probably run the New York Marathon that'd be fun Um, that'd be a good thing to do and so I told my partner at the time and he was really excited really on board with that I really thought that was a cool thing to want to do so then I was all excited you know looking at running gear and like oh it's going to be amazing when I'm in New York running the marathon Um, and I thought well I better just go for like a little test run you know to start me off um, with my running career before I start applying for for the New York Marathon I hated it (laughs) I was rubbish at it hated it cursed every step um, and then didn't run again probably for another 10 years so um, yeah (laughs) you know that said everything about my enthusiasm for ideas but um, nothing about my resilience as a runner but of course my resilience as a psychologist is a little different yeah so let's pick our goals (laughs) wisely (laughs) and mindfully Um, You know, it's absolutely okay to want to be an aspiring psychologist, but it probably is going to be more likely that you get there if you have, um, you know, followed 
the route that makes it more likely. So it's likely that you're going to need to do a psychology degree or a conversion um, to gain you access to whatever next step um, you need. Um, So yeah, I guess the equivalent of me running um, is that don't shoot for the New York Marathon if you're yet to shuffle around the block. Um, you know, we think about, um, I was listening to Will Smith's book um, the other day, and he talks about um, focusing on each brick, brick by brick, um, rather than the whole wall that needs um, to be built. And I thought that was a really powerful idea. So I think what we need to be careful about as a profession is that we are not using the term resilience to be able to treat people badly um, as they are becoming aspiring psychologists. We are not expecting people to take and take and take and take and take um, because they have this end goal in mind. Um, you know, we shouldn't be, you know, to further the further the marathon analogy, we shouldn't just be having our feet coated in blisters, you know, um, and just expected to carry on, you know. When we get blisters, it's a sign of friction and it's a sign of something not fitting well. So if you're finding that your body is covered in blisters from your experience within um, the psychology field, then there's a sign there that that's not really a good fit. Um, I don't want to push you um, until you break. You know, so resilience is about um, having some movement and some ability to be flexible and adaptive. But it's not about making you concrete, because when we when we are concrete, we will, you know, we will bend too far and we will snap and we will break. And that's not what I want for you as an aspiring psychologist. I don't want, um, you know, I don't want you to be suffering you know on your journey to being um, an aspiring psychologist I want you to feel like you are operating from the comfortable area of your window of tolerance that you're not being completely burned out from this process and so if you feel like this is you know quite painful for you to listen to then it might be a sign that there's some tweaks that ought to be made um, some difficult conversations to think about having because you ought not to be covered in blisters And what we know is that, um, you know, working with our population, um, as we do, um, can be difficult and can can be challenging. You know, there can be transference and counter-transference. And what we know from working with people in, you know, from the police service, for example, um, maybe in, you know, non kind of beat roles um, is that they are being regularly exposed to trauma and they're not able to do anything that transforms that within them. Um, So we sometimes see this in people who are just doing screening of um, referrals, is that they are soaking up all this kind of misery, but not getting the chance to to make a difference to that client. Um, So I largely used to do the assessments in my previous NHS service, but um, didn't often do loads of the referral screening. Um, So whenever I read a referral, it's because I was about to see them um, and it was useful then t- for me to be able to you know discharge that distress in some way um, because I then had the opportunity to actually see um, to see the client um, to help them through that distress but when we're able to transform that it transforms it for us as well so that it doesn't sit with us and we don't take it home um, so that can be really useful thinking about how much a client 
stuff might be around for you in your world and how you can you know use that um, or transform that and it might be that it's useful to have discussions around this in supervision or um, you know to have some sort of um, theory and practice groups where you talk about the impact of your work um, on yourselves you know in a safe place um, with no judgment um, so that we make sure that it is true resilience that we are building into you rather than just expecting you to put up with terrible treatment. What we don't want is for you to feel burned out um, because what we know is that burnout leads to, you know, periods of sick leave and that's not, it's not good for you and it's not good for the services we work in and it's not good for the clients um, that we serve. And so making sure that we you know, where possible, uh, you know, treating ourselves as humans with compassion and dignity and respect and and that the people we are working for do the same is really key. Um, And sometimes it takes a change of job to realise how much you weren't being treated um, with kindness and dignity and respect and how much that was burning you out. And then you get a fresh perspective in a new job or in a new relationship or, you know, whatever new setting it is. And you realise, oh, I just hadn't realised how hot the water was there. Um, And now actually it's much more comfortable. Um, Or I'm not in the glaring sunlight all the time and that feels so much better. Um, So yeah, it might just be worth having a little audit um, of, of everything around you to just check check the temperature, check it's not too hot and you haven't just got used to wilting. So what we notice when we're working with clients is that, um, you know, if we can't be with them, we might notice, you know, there's thwarted actions. And even when we are with them, you know, sometimes you might hear something so awful that it makes you want to cry out or, you know, you imagine yourself wanting to punch the person, um, not, not the person you're with, please don't punch people you're with, but the person that they're talking about in order to defend the person that you're spending time with, you know, and these thwarted actions, um, as we call them, need somewhere to go. And so it can be useful, you know, even after a session to allow yourself to do a slow motion whatever you wanted to do you know to thwart that action so it doesn't stay within you so it transforms and sometimes it can be a really powerful um, thing to discuss is um, reactions to to people's stories and the things they say let me just take a quick break and i'll be back after this to think with you about some tangible ways of deepening that connection with you and your clients um, when you are listening to their stories if you're looking to become a psychologist then let this be your guide filled with lessons and experience that will help you get qualified so come and take a look it's right here in this book it's the clinical The Clinical Psychologist Collective is an encouraging read for anyone considering clinical training. Reading the stories of people who have followed their unique path into clinical training 
with ups and downs is immensely encouraging. Thank you, Marianne, for writing this book and to all who contributed to it. This book is a true blessing and I'm sure it can provide more clarity to anyone considering a career in clinical, health and counselling psychology. Okay, so welcome back. Um, So we need to make sure that we are, you know, being flexible um, and plastic and not at risk of being brittle and burned out. And when we are feeling brittle and burned out, our compassion might feel like it's a low ebb for clients and it might feel like we're all just doing everything on autopilot. So, um, you know, absolutely, if you are unwell, then you need to look after yourself and you need to take the time that you need to take um, to get yourself well. But this is, you know, this is about prevention, this episode, rather than cure. Um, So I want to really thicken the dialogue um, of helping you think about how you deserve to be treated and how you deserve to treat yourselves um, and to help you hopefully have confidence to raise issues um, if you feel like you are being treated unfairly or um, the pressures upon you as an aspiring psychologist are too great. You know, sometimes I hear about the workloads of um, aspiring psychologists and I'm thinking, I wouldn't even want to do that you know and I'm qualified I wouldn't want to see that many clients in a day or a week um you know and it's 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 a lot that we're asking of you guys as aspiring psychologists and no wonder we're getting you know high turnover and job of jobs and you know staff burnout and and staff sickness you know that's not about resilience that's not about your lack of resilience that's about you know the sickness of an organization really um it's not about the sickness of the individuals within it um sometimes if we ask someone to do too much then it's you know it's too much and you know that will instantly fall apart but when when pressure is applied over time we become more used to that and we don't necessarily realize it's there um and then you know suddenly it can feel like we've snapped but what we hadn't realized is we've been carrying all the extra weight um on our shoulders and on our neck and in our stress and in in our brittle interactions with our children and our family and our loved ones and then suddenly it's just like it feels like it's come out of the blue as an actual fact it's been cranked up you know incrementally over time so just want you to be on the lookout for that really um and to try as much as possible to not take your stuff home with you you know to so when i was um supervising assistant psychologists um or trainees i tried to make sure that um, we'd have a supervision session on the last day of their placement of the week so that they were able to leave that with me 
you know, leave that here um, rather than worrying about that all weekend because supervision was, for example, on Tuesday or whatever. Um, So it might be worth thinking if there's any flexibility about when you have your supervision sessions so that you are able to tie up any loose ends rather than take them home with you. Okay, so a really nice way of helping you connect with your clients and helping advance your clinical work is when you hear them say something that that does move you, um, you know, or you notice anything visceral in your own body as you hear the story, it can be really useful if it feels appropriate to share that with them, you know. When I heard you say that, you know, I really felt, you know, a, a, a deep, sensation in the pit of my stomach or I felt my throat started to close up as you spoke about that or I really felt my eyes starting to water as I really connected to what you were saying Um, because it can help them especially when they're traumatized it can help them with that mind body disconnect it can help them realize actually oh I have thoughts and feelings in my own body too where did I notice that Um, or you can mirror that back to them so I noticed that within myself you know where did you notice that when you were speaking and they might have that disconnect that they haven't done that but it can be useful to open up that dialogue um, and thinking about that and that might be one of the single most important things you do with that client because it might be that they haven't had that experience um, with with someone else before um, and that in you know you doing that with them that they're able to to do that with others and they're able to have a different experience of life it might just be you know transformational So in summary, um, you know, resilience is not all, um, you know, what we what we think it might be, what it might look like on paper. We're wanting to recruit, um, you know, humans and compassionate ones at that. We do not want computers, um, you know, because, you know, it's human connection that helps make the difference, especially when people have been affected by um, by mental health difficulties and trauma and grief and all of that jazz. So, um, you know, please, I hope you've um, found this episode useful. Um, And if you do... Um, I'd love any feedback that you've got. Um, Please help share it widely. Um, Like and connect, um, subscribe, rate, review. Do all of the things and you'll be my new best friend. Um, Come and connect with me over on socials. I'm on LinkedIn, Dr. Marianne Trent. Twitter, I'm GoodThinkingPS1. GoodThinking Psychological Services on Facebook. And I am on Instagram as well as Dr. Marianne Trent. So please come and connect. Um, Help me to help you and yeah let's get word out there about this wonderfully useful podcast um i hope this has been useful um and it's okay to think that it's not you that's the problem you know it's a service that you're working for it's okay that actually the service has unnecessary demands um upon you and that it says nothing about your resilience that it's not feeling achievable i hope you found this helpful and i'll look forward to catching up with you next time take care Being well supported during any interview season is so important. I have therefore uh, planned some compassionate question and answer support sessions for you. You are absolutely welcome to come along to all of them. Some of them, none of them. No need to book. And here are the dates for you. Monday, the 28th of February from 7.30pm. Monday the 21st of March, 7.30pm, Monday the 4th of April, 7.30pm and Monday the 9th of May, 
7.30 p.m. And they will all be live streaming via my socials, uh, which includes Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn and Facebook. So you can absolutely pick your favourite um, platform and they'll all be available on replay as well. Hope you find it so useful and I will look forward to catching up with some of you then. Take care. If you're looking to become a psychologist Then let this be your guide With this podcast at your side You'll be on your way to being qualified It's the Aspiring Psychologist Podcast With Dr. Marianne Trent My name is Diakalola Amujo. I am a recent psychology graduate from Ireland. I am also an aspiring clinical psychologist. Dr. Marion's book, The Clinical Psychologist Collective, has been so helpful to me on this journey to becoming a clinical psychologist. As I plan to continue postgraduate studies in the UK, I found it extremely useful that this book provided in-depth information on the UK DeClinSci application process. I enjoyed reading about the experiences of both qualified and trainee clinical psychologists. The various narratives were my favorite part of the book, as everyone's story was different and it provided amazing insights into the clinical psychology journey. I would definitely recommend this book to anyone interested in psychology and aspires to become a clinical psychologist.